that. Well, this morning we are going for pink. Oh, rainbow. <laughs> uh, that would be a great way to just um, wrap the whole thing up. We'll just talk about all the colours. That would take us, yeah, everyone just schedule a week aside and we'll be there. Um, but this morning is pink and um, we're looking at um, inner peace. And for many of us, and I think for myself, as I was looking at inner peace and first thinking on, well, what is inner peace? For me, it was like, you know, that thought of just being like tranquil, everything's calm, everything's good, everything's like cruising okay, inner peace, feeling okay. But as I've been looking at that, as I've been um, understanding more of what inner peace is, it is about living fully. It is about living alive. It is about being more conscious, more more, uh, vitality, more energy, more excited about what we get to do. So with this idea of inner peace... It is this idea of not living this dull life, not living like, yep, I am at peace and this is good and I just go along, but actually this idea of how do we live fully? How do we live fully alive, fully functioning, fully um, vibrant in what we get to do? And as I was reading um, up on this, and I was reading a book and um, it was talking about inner peace. And it was using this analogy about our minds and how full they can become. And they were using this um, story with um, our minds being a room, a room where it it can be filled with um, all sorts of things, with furniture and clothes and all these kinds of things that can occupy that space and make a room. If you've only got a teenage, when I was thinking about this, a teenage kid's room and you know where you you shimmy past and try to get through the space, that's the sort of thing that I'm visaging when I'm, I'm reading this story about this mind where it can become so full and so crammed and so full of our thoughts and full of our stuff in our minds that it becomes so tight. And we start to just, like our teenagers, start to just live that way, becomes the normal. It becomes, yes, we understand that it's, you know, it's a bit full, it's a bit cramped, but yet we navigate life through that regardless. We're able to live and function in this state of having this crowded space, this crowded room. But If we were only to take a mind and this state of our mind where we have these cramped thoughts, these fears, these worries, these concerns, these things that are happening in our lives, what would it be like? And if you've ever done this, I remember actually my kids at about 10 years old um, that they would come to this stage where you could clear out like heaps of their toys from their room, you know, all those young toys and you get to this stage where, you know, you can like cull and get rid of a bunch of stuff, freeze up space. But what would it look like for us where our minds and our thoughts and all the stuff that are crowding that space, to be able to clear that out, that those room and that space becomes spacious, that becomes all this space that we can use to bring vitality, bring inner peace, bring um, like loving life, enjoying life. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what does inner peace look like for us? How can we obtain that? How can we create space in our lives where there is space that we are able to now live and thrive and be our best in rather than just shimming through all this rubbish and all this stuff around in that space of our mind? So we're going to look at that. It's going to be looking at in Mark 1.35. And as we look at this scripture... 
what we see here is a piece of scripture that as we apply it, as we look at it, as we open it, as we allow that to speak to our lives, that it has opportunity for our lives to become more full. So we're going to open that up. Maybe I'll pray for us as we go, hey? Who's had a busy week? Have we had a busy week? I've had a busy week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, Lord, may your spirit be at work in this place. Lord, as we've praised you, as we've worshipped you, as we've gathered and chatted amongst each other, Lord, you are in the midst of it all. That, Lord, that your spirit is at work in each of our lives. And that as we create and as we look at this idea of this inner peace, this place where we flourish, where we blossom, where we are alive, we pray, Lord, where there has been stuff that is occupying our minds, where there has been stuff that is in our life that is crowding out any space for us to have that peace. I pray even now that your spirit would be at work, that, Lord, that your peace would be here, that it will settle on every heart and every mind. And we pray that you would move in Jesus' name. Amen. That's right. Mark 1, 35 to 39, four verses. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So over here, what we see that across, and when we look at now the Bible and we look at what Jesus' life and the rhythms of his life were, what we saw where he had come and he had come with purpose, he had come with focus, he has come that he would preach the gospel everywhere. And that what he, what the pattern we see in his life and the rhythm that we've seen, whilst there was miracles, signs, wonders, all these things, preaching to the, the crowds, feeding the crowds, what we see in his life is this rhythm of withdrawing, this rhythm of going to this solitary place, going to this place where he was alone, where he withdrew, where he was able to go to that space to refocus, to gather, to pray, to be able to um, get what he needed. So then he'd go back on to where he was going to. And for our lives and for the, for the stuff that we're about, that we see this rhythm in his life where he, this idea of withdrawing and going to seek this place, to be able to go and find a place where he was alone. Has anyone had alone time this week? Anybody? Oh, you have good Jackie. Jackie's amazing. Comes vibrant. That's why you're so vibrant every week is because of that. And if you've got little people, how hard is it just to go to the toilet alone? It's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard. I've got a puppy, actually. Well, he's not a puppy. He's seven years old. I close the door and he cries outside. It's like there's, there's no peace. There's no quiet. But what does it look like for us? where we see this rhythm of withdrawing, where we see this rhythm of going away from all the crowds, that Jesus models that to us, where he is able to accomplish what he has come to do. And that for us, that we see this rhythm of where, what does it look like where we can find this inner peace 
And I think as part of that is to be able to create these spaces of being able to withdraw and go alone. Withdraw and so all the introverts are like, yes, amen. <laughs> all the extroverts are like, what? <laughs> That's me. Um, what does it look like for us to be able to withdraw, to be able to be in a space where there are no other voices? Um, this book that I was reading, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. He, in the book, he talks about these executives, um, this guy, Randall Stutman, who for decades has been behind the scenes of these CEOs of Wall Street and has been seeing their rhythm, seeing their patterns, seeing they're making big, huge decisions on a daily basis. What is it that they're doing? What are the patterns? And he, so he studies hundreds of different executives on Wall Street doing all of this. And the answers were like things like this, that they'd go sailing, long-distance cycling, listening quietly to classical music, scuba diving, riding motorcycles and fly fishing. All these activities, he noticed, had one thing in common. Absence of voice. Absence of other voices. That what they were doing, whilst you may not be the type of person who's like, yep, I'm going to withdraw like Jesus did and you can go and pray and it may be a hard thing to do. But what does it look like to withdraw and to be able to create these spaces where there are no other voices around? So much so that we are able to have the, the seasons of our life, each and every one of us, with all sorts of things that we get to be a part of. And we see here that the stakes, the high stakes decisions that these guys made, what helped them be able to continue doing that role? High executives, CEOs, Wall Street, I can't imagine how demanding their lives are. But what they recognise is this pattern of withdrawing, this pattern of escaping all the voices, the pattern of not having to make a decision, be it for an hour, whatever it is, where they could simply think or not think, where they could be, where they could still the world around them for a short period of time, that they could see and they could finally hear the sound even of their own voice when there's so many things coming at them. Each of us need to cultivate these moments for ourselves. And when we look at this inner peace, when we look at this pattern of what Jesus does to withdraw, to be able to create that space where I, for each one of us, when we do do that, it's incredible moments when, you know, we get deposits from heaven, when we're connected to the one who um, is in control of our lives, who speaks to us, who gives us direction, when we don't think straight, where we can get clarity in those spaces, that for each one of us, what does it look like to have these solitary places? Be it fly fishing or motorcycle riding. riding. I know there's a few guys here that go off with a bunch of guys and, and ride bikes and whatnot. What does that look like for each one of us? Uniquely different, probably, from each one as to what that place looks like where we can withdraw. And why do we need this place? Why do we need this escape? The world and our lives have become busy. It pulls for our, our attention. It pulls for us to get drawn into what is happening. But what does it look like for us to be able to remove ourselves from the world, to be able to create a space where life is lived full, where we're not just running on the next thing and the next thing, but we actually control what is happening. 
and we're able to carve out time where we are actually able to be in a space where actually our tanks are topped up, where we're feeling more alive, where the thoughts and the, all the things that are in our head start to unclutter, where all those things become a bit more spacious in our life, where we can create those spaces to be able to reset, refocus, be able to do all these things. And so how do we create these solitary places in our own life? What does that look like? Is that a rhythm for you? I know at the start of the year we had rhythm and flow and be able to create and put into our lives these different habits that are going to set us up well towards the end of the year. But we've got two months left at the end of the year. I'm not sure if this was one thing that you had on your, your list of things that you would like to create. This space where you could withdraw, this space where you can maybe journal, pray, whatever that may be. But for us, that we would say that, well, how do I do that? Because I am so busy. You tell me a place where I can fit that in. I'll tell you this, that we are too busy not to do it. That we are too busy not to do it. That our worlds do become so busy. Everyone I speak to as it's, you know, coming towards the end of the year, it's like, yeah, things are ramping up, things are busy, things are going on. We are too busy not to do it to be able to create space in our lives where we can, we can flourish, where we can grow, we can have a bit of space. For myself, a bit of a rhythm of what I like to do, I haven't done it as much as I would like to this year, is um, a bit of a routine I used to have is to drive up to Durian Bay. So for me, I don't know if you've ever tried to like, I'm going to sit in silence for a little bit and see how that goes for me. And yeah, mine just keeps going and going. So for me, it takes two hour drive to Durian Bay. And um, in that time, I'm, I'm able to create a space where all those thoughts, all those things that are occupying in my mind, all that stuff that is cramming it, that is, is, is cluttering up that room, is able to now get out. That space of just worship music on, get it going, drive up there. It's a great drive. It's a scenic drive, but it all gets downloaded out. And then when I get there, able to go for a walk along the beach, sit down in that little cafe, do some journaling. And I come back, and during that space, I start getting creative. I start seeing bigger picture. I start seeing things that I haven't seen. I start dreaming about stuff. It creates space. It creates space in our worlds where we can able and we are able to be able to think past the immediate of what is going on. This space where clarity comes, focus comes, direction comes, that creative, creative expression comes out. This idea of being uncrowded, what does that look like for us? Where people have difficulties embracing this inner peace because of all these external things that will come at us. They dictate our time, they fight for the peace that we have, there's all these things that come at us. But Jesus here, what I love about this scripture is that Jesus confronts that when these these Simon and his companions are coming at Jesus what they're saying they're like Jesus everyone's looking for you where are you what are you doing come I'm guessing there was some need there was something that's going on and Jesus like oh yeah that's right let's go over here I don't know about the people pleasers in the room but if someone's pulling at me in that space if so what do we respond with oh okay let's just do that thing whatever that may be but what does it look like 
to be able to be in a space when we know what we're about and therefore that dictates what we do. Because over here, I'm guessing that Simon and those companions, were after, they were going to do something great with Jesus. There would be something important, something good. But immediately, his response is, okay, let's go this way because I need to go there. But for each one of us, when we're, our minds are full, when we're not thinking straight, we're, when something comes at us immediately, our response is, okay, let's just do that thing. Let's just do that. Um, all the people that drawn to other people, the extroverts, where they're like, yeah, 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 that sounds good, let me just go do that. And it takes us off course of what we're actually meant to do. It pulls us into someone else's agenda. It pulls us into a space when, when we're not um, got that space to be able to create and know what we're about, we start going in all different directions. I'd love to um, play this video for you. And it's a video, you may have seen it, where these two dogs, German Shepherd and a Golden Retriever, Ryan's going to love this, um, they're both set out for this one mission. And let's see what happens. golden retriever um, who can relate to the golden retriever let's be honest let's be on come on Dawny this is good now a few people have shown me that video and they're like uh, Michelle who does this remind you of I'm like I don't know I don't really know I don't know um, Pastor Dean's like come on Michelle this way this way and, <laughs> not really um, I am getting a little bit better but here's the thing whilst that is funny whilst that is very entertaining it's very real that when we don't know our why, when we don't know what we're set out to do, that we can get pulled in all different directions, that we can get sidetracked left, sidetracked right. What we saw here in this scripture is that Jesus clearly knows what he's about. He says, why I've come is to preach, and I've still yet to preach to this other place. Whilst there's things here that I know I can do, things here that I know I can be a part of, this is actually what I'm about. And I go towards that. Not being conformed by someone else's agenda, not being conformed about these other things that will pull for our attention. But to be very clear on our why. And for each one of us, that we would have a why. 
We would have a why in our work setting, we'll have a why in our personal settings, we'll have whys in our family, all different spaces of our life where we know what we're wanting to achieve and we know what we're about. For myself, um, I'm either all in or all out. When I make a decision, it's generally I make the decision I go for it. And so recently, um, I had um, joined up at the gym. So I joined up. It was a six-week program. They said if you do the eating program, if you do the gym, in six weeks, you'll lose eight kilos. The added bonus, it'll be for free. So it's $599. And so I'm like, yep, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. Get onto it. Um, And there's a few other people at church that do that. We high-five in and out as we're going into the gym. And so what... I had made a decision what my why was very clearly. When it came to eating, when it came to exercises, this is what I'm going to do. So during the six-week program, there was one week where there was five parties in that week that I was invited to, sitting at on the border, watching everyone eat their lovely Mexican, up at the landing in Alcamos, watching everybody have that while I sipped on my peppermint tea. What was very clear is that... I knew my why. And the five, and when you have a mum like mine who loves to feed everybody, Indian background, Anglo Indian, she just loves it. So we had this gathering and she's like, come on, Michelle, you can have this. Oh, you can just have that. It's fine. No, mum. When we understand and when we know our why, decision making is so much easier. It can be in our personal life, our work life, whatever it is. That Jesus over here clearly knew and understood his why. He knew what he was about, he knew what he had to do, and his decision making was made accordingly. He had the space, he withdrew, he had um, time and knowing of what he was about. He created space that he wasn't cluttered with all thoughts. And for each one of us, as we look at the season ahead, called the silly season coming where there will be a lot more things happening, a lot more parties to attend. Now, this is a real test for me when it comes to food. The program's finished. I achieved my goal, people. And um, now is where the tests happen for me. This is when it becomes hard. And I'm left alone, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to make decisions. But here's the thing. This silly season is coming ahead. And what people will say is a crazy busy season. For us as Christ followers, our why on what we're about for this season needs to be clear. What we're about as we're proclaiming the gospel to up to 30,000 people with Christmas carols coming up. We open up Christmas Eve services. We create spaces where community and people that don't know the love and the hope and the, of Jesus Christ will come and experience that. That our why should be very clear. What we orientate our lives around should be very clear in how we are being a part of creating a space where people know and hear the love of Jesus Christ. What that looks like for each one of us may be very different. But what we do have is this opportunity coming where this silly season doesn't have to be silly. Where we can create and carve out space. I've ticked it out in my diary for this week where we can withdraw, where we can create a space. It might be a half an hour, might be an hour, it might be a day, whatever that looks like for you. 
But what does that look like where we can create a space to uncrowd our mind, to be able to empty that the thoughts, to all those thoughts that will come and create stress and anxiety and pressure and worry and all these things, to be able to create space where there is creativity, where there's dreaming, where there's vitality, where there's living life to the full takes over. And to know and be centered around those whys of what we're about, different aspects of our life, to be able to center that around how we make our decisions these next couple of months. I'm going to pray for us as we wrap up. And I thought that before we go into communion this morning, that maybe we can create a little bit of silence where there is no music, where there is no voices. Whereas this time, we're going to have a bit of, about a minute. Well, maybe there's stuff you just need to get out of that crowded up, crammed up room where there is a bit of space to be had where our thoughts and our minds can be freed up, where we can start dreaming and thinking and living lives that are to the full. So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to sit in silence for a minute. Heavenly Father, Lord, for every thought, for every circumstance, for every person in this room, Lord. Lord, we, we place it at the cross now. Lord, we put our trust and our faith and our hope in you. That, Lord, that, um, Lord, we just empty all those things that are consuming our thoughts and minds in this moment. And that, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be at work in this place. Lord, that you would calm hearts, that you would still hearts, that you would, um, Lord, where there is um, no fire left or it feels like it's snuffed out, that, Jesus, we pray that you would breathe life into those lungs, breathe life into these lives, that, Heavenly Father, that there would be an inner peace. Lord, a going out of here feeling alive in you, feeling alive, Lord, for the things that we get to be a part of. Jesus, empty us with those things that consume our thoughts, that, Lord, are taking up space, those things that, Lord God, are occupying too much space in our lives. And we pray that your spirit be at work now, in Jesus' name.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you came for each one of us, that we would live life and life to the full. And we thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid for each one of us, that we wouldn't live dull lives, but we'd live alive in you. And that, Jesus, we pray that as we come to take communion, that, Lord, that, that the space in our hearts, Lord God, will remember the goodness of who you are. Remember, Lord God, the, the sacrifice that you've paid for each one of us. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. If you'd like to stand, we're going to take communion now. When you, In your time, the team's going to lead us in a song. Um, if you're new here, what we do is we come up the front, grab the cup, grab the bread, take that in your own time. But you come as you feel ready.